Welcome to the Money Podcast. You know, when it comes to investing, this apple fell pretty far from the family tree. I became a Wall Street investment advisor, otherwise known as a stockbroker, in 1981, and I've been an avid stock investor ever since. My parents, on the other hand, didn't own a single share of stock until their late 50s, and only then because my mother inherited a utility stock from her aunt. You can't blame my parents. They were survivors of the Great Depression, a time in history when stocks fell nearly 90%, and some bank depositors lost everything they had. So it's natural my parents would be in more comfortable in treasury bills and as in stocks. To them, the stock market was more like a casino than a place for your life savings. It also helped that in their day, they didn't really need Wall Street since they could easily earn 8% or more in risk-free T-bills or CDs. These days, though, savings rates are, well, I don't have to tell you, they're near zero. Many of us have been practically forced into stocks because of that. But even for true believers like myself, we can't put all of our eggs into that volatile basket. So it's important to be aware of other potential investments. And there are a ton of them out there. By my count, more than 20. Not all great ideas, of course, but it still pays to be aware of your options. And that's what this week's Money Podcast is all about. Investments that don't involve stocks. So if you're like me and are reaching the upper boundaries of what you'll comfortably keep in the stock market, or you're like my parents and want nothing to do with them in the first place, well, this is your podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Johnson. As usual, my co-host will be financial journalist Miranda Marquette. Hello, Miranda. hey Listening in and sometimes contributing is our producer and novice investor, Aaron Freeman. Hey, Aaron. All right, let's look into some alternative gambling. Let's do this. Don't call it gambling. You know how I hate that. Okay, guys, before we get started, our usual disclaimer, should you hear about investments on this podcast, that doesn't mean they're recommendations. You don't ever invest based solely on our advice because we don't know your personal situation. You got to form your own opinions. You got to make your own decisions. Okay, let's get back to the topic at hand. I, I, there are more than twenty of these uh, investments that do not involve stocks. Got any? You want to go to try to tackle some of them? I, I don't know how many we'll get to. We'll try to do them really quick. Okay, off the top of your head, what do you think, Aaron or Miranda? What do you guys think? One of the things that comes to mind for me in recent year, uh, recent days is uh, everybody's favorite thing, and I know you're going to love it when I say it, but everybody's favorite thing, cryptocurrency. Uh, Because, I mean, that's just one of those things that people are interested in right now. Um, Do I think that it's right for everybody? Oh, gosh, no. But, uh, But I think it's interesting, and I think a lot of people, that's one of the things that comes to their mind when they think about alternatives right now. And you're absolutely right. We all, uh, Aaron, you don't own crypto, right? I do not, no. I own a little bit. Miranda's our resident expert in crypto. Uh, and by the way, Miranda, never mind. I was going to talk to you about something about crypto, but we've got so many of these things to cover. Let's just plow ahead. Crypto. Yeah, I think we idea. should just keep moving forward. And just, just yeah. with a slight disclaimer that when you're doing something like crypto that is uh, speculative, when you're talking about investing, and speculative borderline gambling, like real gambling, not the stock market, yeah. but real gambling yeah. here with crypto, uh, you want to you want to limit how much you're putting in your portfolio. I mean, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not using my life savings here. I'm not using it for my retirement. Uh, this is this is money that uh, if if I lost it, I could afford it. Cool. I got a question. So there are a lot of things we could do that don't involve the stock market. But I I was reading an article and they said commodities futures um, is, is one. How is that not? How does that not involve the stock market? Well, it's not. Uh, when you're buying commodity futures, what you're actually doing is literally agreeing to buy. X amount of a specific commodity, for example, um, oil, you're agreeing to buy, to take possession of thousands of gallons of, of crude oil. Now, what you do is, so you have, 
consider it a contract. As a matter of fact, it is a contract. You have a contract to buy X amount of oil. So what you're going to do is you're going to sell that contract before you actually get the oil. But if you don't, they will come to your house and they will, well, they won't come to your house, but you, you will be required to pick up that oil. So you're not buying a stock. You're literally buying the physical thing. Uh, okay. But you're still doing that through the same platforms that you buy. It's stocks. not an exchange. Yeah. Yes. It's not an exchange. Yeah. And you're, and you're through your brokerage firm. Yes. But, but the exchanges okay. are not the same. I mean, the most famous uh, commodities exchanges in Chicago, there's also some in, in uh, New York, uh, okay. but they're not the, you know, they're not the New York stock exchange. They're the COMEX commodity exchange. Uh, or the Board of Trade things, in Chicago. So. Well, highly risky. And you know, and we'll say this one more time. Miranda just said it with crypto. We're not we're not saying any of these things are good ideas. And I would I would urge you not to do commodity futures. Urge, beg, please don't. Uh, they're very very risky. But but they are an option. Um, I, real estate. That's you, Aaron. Aaron's a real estate investor. That's that's a good investment too. As I would say, definitely stuff. less risky. It has its own risks. Everything has risks, but def definitely less risky. Uh, if you can handle it, it's more of a long term game. Yeah, but you're right, and and I've I've made pretty good money in both um, stocks and real estate over long periods of time. Uh, real estate is really difficult to make money in short periods of time because the transaction costs are high, but there but it's a good long term investment. Uh, and I've I've made I've, I may have made more in real estate than I've made in the stock market over over my 40-year investing career. Anyway, uh, you can also do real estate investment trust. Uh, it's a stock technically, but it's really, that's a way to buy real estate on the stock market. So that's another option. How about owning a business? I've done well at that. I mean, well, actually, I've done well at this business, Money Talks News, <laughs> but I also owned a restaurant and lost my butt. Um, well, I think, so yeah, and I think- At least that one, you're under your own power. Yeah. You know, you're, it's, it's your own decisions, you know. Yeah. Make or break you. And I like, yeah, you guys I like, are both self-employed too. Yeah. And I like that, that it gives me a little bit of flexibility and freedom. And, and there's like that element of invest, <laughs> investing in yourself. And I, and I like that a lot too. Yeah. What about peer-to-peer -peer lending? You do that too, Miranda, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I have a little bit. It's not a ton. It's probably like maybe 2% of my portfolio total is, is in peer-to-peer -peer lending. Um, Maybe it may not even be that much, uh, but it's just something that I kind of got into when it first became a big thing. And I had gotten like a, f a free amount of money from Lending Club to give it a go like more than 10 years ago. And I've just kind of gone from there and I added a little bit more later. And then I just sort of reinvest as, as the notes are paid off. I just sort of reinvest what I get. Uh, I don't do a lot with it, but it is it is nice because um, you can start to see how it's going to work. And I figure if I keep doing it the same way I'm doing it now, uh, probably in another 15 or 20 years, I can, I, I mean, I can probably, it, it can probably be a reasonable income stream. I've thought about doing that myself, you know, because I've got as much money in the stock market as I want to have in it. And, you know, there's just no place to earn interest. How much, do you know how much interest you're earning off the top of your head? Uh, I want to say it's somewhere in the realm of um, six to eight percent, somewhere in there. It's not mine. Isn't that much better than a stock market return because I don't get really like I don't get a lot of really super risky notes. Uh, so they're they're less, you know, they're not like super super safe notes. I, I get a lot of them in the um, B to C range, the ranking that they. But you use. haven't lost money doing it. I have not lost money. No. That's great. 
So that's something. And, and by the way, any of these things, more, most of them anyway, we have articles at moneytalksnews.com if you want to learn more about them and go to specific you know, possibilities for like equity or um, peer-to-peer lending or whatever. So anyway, let's move on. Uh, savings bonds, my parents, you know, their, their investment of choice, of course, they pay almost nothing now. What were you, you were going to say something, Aaron? Oh, I was going to say to uh, blend that owning your own business and real estate together, this, this takes a lot of upfront cost, but it's way cheaper than trying to start your own franchise or, or buy into somebody else's franchise, which be uh, vacation rentals. Yes. Uh, you know, you got to find a location, you got to put everything up and, but if you buy the right spot, you know, it could be good. Yeah, that's a niche business, vacation rental. I owned a vacation rental for a couple of years and I, I wish I'd bought more of them. I think they're, because that way, you know, you've got people paying a lot. I mean, depending obviously on where your rental is, uh, more than enough to pay your mortgage. And traditionally, it's hard to break even on a single family house. You need multifamilies. But with vacation rentals, you can. And now I live in Fort Lauderdale. So, you know, their vacation rental market is good. Um, but, you know, that's that's a good way to make money. What about gold? I, I think gold and other precious metals is interesting. Um, Do you own any? Me? No, I don't actually. Um, I, uh, I do, uh, I did for a while do a gold ETF, which is not the same thing as actually owning gold. No, basically, moves but it, you're talking about the GOLD? Yeah, but it, but it, you know, it has exposure oh, to gold. Yeah, GLD, yeah. It has exposure to gold. But I think, um, I think it's interesting and I think it, it gives people peace of mind, which is nice for them uh, because you have that physical thing that you can touch. Uh, but at the same time, you have to realize that even though people use it as a hedge against inflation, um, it's it's not as good as you might think. Uh, sometimes it does actually move with the market, which is weird when it happens. And um, and then you got to figure out how you're going to store it. There are premiums to pay. There's all sorts of stuff uh, that you got to think about if you're investing in gold. And then, of course, the fact if you're investing in gold because you think there's an economic apocalypse coming, I'm not sure how you're going to eat it. <laughs> well, it's supposed to be a hedge against it. I get, well, it depends on what right, but who's gonna but... but who's gonna be able to afford to buy the gold from you, and who's gonna trade you food for your gold? You're you're not a fan. I, I own some gold. I'm not a fan either. I yeah, mean, I mean, not... I don't have a problem with it, and I think it's it's fine as part of your portfolio. But once again, it's one of those things that um, a lot of the reasons people give for it, you kind of think about it, and you're like, mm, but is it really going to work? Like, is it really going to work that way? And if you're physically buying the bullion or the coins itself, and you're like putting in a safe deposit box, I don't think safe deposit boxes are FDIC insured. They're not. How can they be? Because they're not supposed to even know what's in there. Right. But, and you know, by the way, and if you don't put them in a safety deposit box, guess what can happen? I hired a guy to do work around my house once, and he came in my bedside cabinet and stole $5,000 worth of uh, food grants from me. <laughs> so if you don't have it in a safety deposit box, you could lose it that way, too. Uh, I, I, I've owned some GLD, the, the gold ETF, for 12 years. I'm up on that. But I thought because inflation might rear its ugly head, I, I invested in a gold mining uh, stock earlier this year, and I've had my hat handed to me. I'm down $5,000 on it. So I, I thought gold would move up, and it has not. It has not been acting well at all. And I'm wondering if crypto didn't take some of its, uh, some of, steal some of its thunder, frankly. But uh, anyway, that's an option. That would make sense. Um, let's do this. Let's take a really quick break. We're going to come right back. I don't know. I think we've named about 10, maybe less. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do more of these things. And some of them are going to be cool. So stay right there. We'll be right back. Okay, guys, we're halfway through. Let's see what we can, let's see what else we can name. Let, let me get these out of the way first. CDs, obviously. 
corporate bonds, municipal bonds, treasury bonds. Okay, so there's four things right there. They're boring right now, but they are outside of the stock market. They're boring because they pay almost nothing. Uh, and uh, but you know, if, if interest rates go back up, then um, they could be a good thing. Um, how about private equity funds? I've got down here and venture capital too. These are probably not available to most people. Uh, you typically have to be an accredited investor. I don't know, are you familiar with that term, Aaron? I imagine Rand is. Yep. It sounds like you have to have millions of dollars and a lot of equity or something. Close. That is exactly right. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to either be making $200,000 a year or have at least a million dollars net worth. Right. Yeah, I was actually just looking it up. I'm glad you knew what it was because I knew it. I knew you had to have a million dollar net worth. And that also excludes your principal residence. Yes. yes. So you have to be pretty rich. Uh, but these are potential options. Uh, also, hedge funds uh, are potential uh, options. But often you have to have minimum of $500,000 and sometimes $5 million to get into a hedge fund. But that's actually a stock investment anyway. They're, well, they can invest in anything, but they often are in the stock market. Well, here's something we did a, a podcast on not that long ago, annuities. Um, I'm not a huge fan, but they are something outside the stock market. Yeah. And I think, too, one of the things to keep in mind about stuff that's outside the stock market, there are some really interesting, we talked about real estate earlier, uh, but there are really some really interesting platforms and apps out there designed to help you buy different assets for a little bit less you know, well, a lot less than you'd have to do on your own. Like, for instance, Fundrise for Real Estate allows you to buy into these projects without having, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, another similar real estate type thing is called Acre Trader. It allows you to invest in farmland. Uh, so if you're interested in like investing in farmland, there's Acre Trader. Uh, there's places like Rally Road that allow you to buy pieces of like expensive and well-known collectibles, like a share of, I should say, like an interest in. Uh, same with Masterpiece.io allows you to do that with artwork. And then one of the more recent ones that I've been aware of as well is VinoVest, which allows you to invest in wine. <laughs> and so, and you actually, uh, you actually own the bottles and. And they like get you a, they use an algorithm and you get this portfolio of wine bottles and you can sell them later. Or if you would like, you can pay to have them shipped and then you can drink your investment. So if you're losing money, but you think it'll taste good, at least you get something that you really? can actually consume out of it. I, I would be amazed, Miranda, if you do not own that. Uh, I don't yet. Um, <laughs> it does require a thousand dollar minimum investment. And even though I have a thousand dollars that I could put there, I'm just not quite there yet. But I, man, I am getting there. I'm getting close. <laughs> I know it could you be like my, wine. It could be my next, it could be my next weird experiment. <laughs> now, these, exa these are examples of equity crowdfunding. Is that true? Uh, kind of. So a lot of them now um, are able to, it's not really equity crowdfunding so much as it is. Um, these are companies and the SEC, a lot of them have been have gone through the process of registering with the SEC and, and basically securitizing these things. So for instance, Masterpiece IO, you might have access to an Andy Warhol, right? And they've bought this Andy Warhol painting. It is being held somewhere in storage, appropriately cared for all the things. Masterpiece IO has this thing. You can buy interest in this artwork. And so you can buy a share basically that represents your interest in this artwork. 
And then uh, you hold on to it. And later on, when the artwork sells, depending on the percentage of the, you know, share that you own, they have the, you know, they break it up. If, if, if they bought it for a million dollars and they break it up into, you know, shares for like a hundred people, right. Or a thousand people or whatever it is. Right. So however many shares you own, when they sell the artwork, your return is based on how many shares of the artwork you own. Uh, they have a, they have a secondary market set up. So if you want to sell your shares to somebody else, you can, but you're going to pay a higher premium. These types of things do come with a higher premium when you sell. They come with higher costs when you're holding things. Uh, so so it is kind of a trade-off because you are going to have higher costs associated with it. Uh, but if you're not interested in the stock market and you're look, looking for something different and you want to invest in, say, artwork, but you know you're not going to be able to buy an anti-Warhol, uh, something like this can help you out. So I it's really interesting. And Rally Road is another one I mentioned earlier that offers you the ability to invest in collectibles. So like first edition comic books or, you know, cool cars like classic cars. Uh, and once again, the company owns the item. They have the item and they just shall sh sell you an interest sure. in the item. And and they've kind of made it so that you can say, okay, I pay X amount of dollars and I have this many shares of the item. And of course, the number of shares of the item are limited, right? There's, it's not unlimited. Right. They can't just do a stock split later. So, uh, so How yeah. Do I, what if I need out to kind of sell my share of this classic car? So it depends on how the platform sets things up. In some cases, yes, like you can sell your share of the car. Now you're going to have fees deducted from it. Some platforms have a long-term holding period. And so, yeah, you can sell it. But, you know, if the car's value has gone down and they... And it, and it can take days because then, you know, they have to have the car appraised and figure out whether it's gone up or down in value since you bought your share. And you may have lost if, you know, you haven't held on to it long enough and especially with the fees involved. So uh, these are things that if you are going to put money into these types of platforms, you need to be prepared to tie it up for at yeah. least three to four years. Yeah. Or it'll tell you, I guess, depending on which one you're going to, how long you expect to, they expect to keep your money before they sell this, whatever it is. Oh, and by the way, so equity crowdfunding is when you issue shares of private stock, stock privately. Uh, like before Google went public, there were people able to buy Google for one cent a share. Highly risky. You, sh you might have to be uh, an accredited investor to do that too. So basically the same type of thing, except for you're buying, a, you're buying a stock before it becomes a publicly traded stock. That's equity crowdfunding. How about, here's something that may sound like maybe kind of a ripoff, um, paying down debt. Paying down debt's a good way to invest money, <laughs> you know, if you have any. Uh, and, and this is something that I've talked about for many years. You know, people have, they'll, they'll be earning 0.1% at the bank and they'll be paying 15% on a credit card. Well, that makes no sense at all. Unless, unless you're about to lose your job uh, because then cash is king, right? But if, you, uh, if you've been working at the DMV for the last 30 years, and you've got money in the bank and you're paying interest on a credit card, paying off that credit card is like earning 15% interest, tax-free for that matter. <laughs> so pay, paying down debt is a good way to invest money too. Maybe even paying down a mortgage. Most of us may not have credit card debt, but most of us have mortgage debt. Uh, and so you know, when, when you're paying, if your mortgage is 4%, you're only you know, earning 4% by paying it off, but that's still better than 0.1% at the bank. Just make sure you're not gonna need the money. So that's an idea. And yeah, now you mentioned collectibles in passing, but there's also collectibles. A friend of mine, uh, Fred, I was just visiting in Arizona last week, 
he bought the he bought the entire inventory of a sports memorabilia shop. This is years ago. Um, for I think he said six thousand dollars, and he sold one card a couple of weeks ago for nineteen thousand. One baseball card. It was a Stan Mutual, I think he said. Anyway, there is some money in collectibles. Make sure that you understand what it is you're collecting, uh, and make sure you don't in in coll start collecting something that's easily replicated. Example: Beanie Babies. <laughs> when the, when that craze came out. Uh, and they, they were worth a lot of money, but then the guy who owns a company just started making more beanie babies for crying out loud. And so make sure that it's really rare. Uh, and that reminds me of something else I'm going to ask you about, Miranda. What about NFTs? That's another interesting thing. Crypto have assets, digital assets. I do have some NFTs. Um, not any that I that are really expensive. Like I don't have any crypto kitties or anything like that. Uh, but I do have a few little NFTs that I thought were kind of fun. Uh, you can buy them on places like Rarible and OpenSea and then sell them again as well in these marketplaces. And you can make your own. I actually, uh, just for funsies, have made a couple of my own NFTs and have been uh, successful in selling them. Uh, the, the real issue with the NFTs is you've got to make sure that, um, you know, uh, you're, you're working with a platform that's going to take into account, especially if you're using Ethereum because of the gas prices, you've got to make sure you're taking into account, um, you know, gas prices and stuff. Uh, and, Wait, I'm lost. Which is, what do you mean gas prices? Uh, so basically on Ethereum, uh, you pay a fee to use the blockchain, uh, whether you're doing apps or playing games or whatever you're doing or sending NFTs uh, or even sending Ethereum person to person. And if you're buying Ethereum or selling Ethereum on a major exchange, a lot of the time the exchange just accounts for the fees and include them in their fees or they eat some of the fees or, or there's some something related to that. But if you're doing person to person uh, on the Ethereum blockchain, you have to pay what's called a gas fee, and it varies depending on time of day, uh, how much usage is going on on the blockchain. So basically, how much fuel, how much computing power is needed to uh. complete your transaction. So, so there are fees related to that as well. So there's a lot of things to think about when you're doing those kinds of things. But uh, yeah, I've got a couple NFTs, and I've sold a couple NFTs. Oh, by the way, we didn't explain what they were uh, for the uninitiated. NFT stands for non-fungible token and it's essentially just a digital asset that can't be replicated and you can prove that it's unique because it's on the blockchain uh, did i say that right yes well done okay so that's another option okay we've uh, if you're uh, if you're business savvy you could uh try to be in a silent partner or what's known as a angel investor okay true which is uh you're uh, basically helping another business with some extra cash that you have so if you uh, you can like go on things like uh, Angel Investment Network or Angie List, and you can find uh, businesses that are looking for help, saying you know I just need some extra cash. But you can invest in other companies for as little as like a thousand bucks and up to whatever you want. And then um, I did not know this. It sounds highly risky. It's probably highly risky, but I mean you could if you can also find a business you know just on your own, and, uh, and then if you think that you can take that business higher, and you feel like you've got the Panache to uh, increase its uh, return on investment, then yeah, go for it. I'll tell you what, when I owned a restaurant, I would have been happy to take your money and I would have lost it all. But now that I'm <laughs> on this business, it's highly profitable. I don't need your money. So I'd, that's, I'd be that's really right. Reluctant. You're giving, you're, you're giving us your money. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm paying both of you, as a matter of fact. That's why you like me. <laughs> I just realized that. I, I liked you before you started paying me, but I like you more. <laughs> okay. How about <laughs> Art, we talked about in terms of going in on art, but you could also just buy art. 
I just met, uh, it, I was just in Arizona visiting Fred. I just mentioned that. And um, I've met a guy there who was, used to be my client when I was a, lived in Arizona 30 years ago. And his name is Howard Turpening, and he's a famous artist. He sells art. He sells uh, his art now goes for a million and a half dollars a piece, his pictures. He paints cowboy art. So if you get lucky, I mean, you can maybe, you know, had I, did I buy one of Howard Turpening's paintings when I knew him 30 years ago? I did not because they were expensive then too. They were like 200 grand. But had I done that, I'd be sitting pretty right now. So you can invest in art. Obviously, you need some knowledge to do so. Just don't invest in art where the artist puts, you know, like a paper shredder in the frame. <laughs> yeah, what's, what what's his name? Uh, Banksy. Yeah. Banksy. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, okay, we haven't covered a couple of real simple ones. Money market accounts, obviously. That's where our money is now. Savings accounts at the bank, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, you mentioned being a silent partner to business, Aaron. Okay, we've got, I've got, I've got uh, two more. One is hard money loans. That's lending money to people in, in real short-term real estate loans. So if a developer, or let's say Aaron, he buys rental properties. Let's say Aaron says to me, Stacy, if you lend me $500,000 to buy this uh, eightplex, I'll pay you back in six months once I get a mortgage on it. But I need to, I need to jump on it now. I'll say, okay, Aaron, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to charge you 15% interest because this is risky. So that's hard money lending. I, I've, I've actually looked for ways to do that, and I have not been successful. Do you know where you can do that, um, Miranda? Have you heard of that before? Yeah. So, I mean, fun fun fact, uh, I actually have a friend who does who is a loan officer and specializes in these kind of hard money loan transactions and makes deals with people. And he actually came to me about three months ago and said, hey, um, to close this deal on this house, uh, my client needs $4,000. Uh, can you do that? And she'll pay a 12% interest. And do you, do you have $4,000? <laughs> Did I was like, eh, yeah, because I trust him and he's somebody I know. He's somebody I know who does these deals and, and routinely gets it done. Um, and I knew that she was going to be using, and I've met, I've actually met this client of his before as well, which is why he felt comfortable oh, okay. reaching out to me. And he's just like, yeah, we're just having problems with the appraisal and, and it's a, cause it was a rehab. And so they knew they were going to have to rehab. And so she just needed money to like close the deal, get the extra, um, the extra line of credit that she needed, uh, for the, uh, home improvement project. And so, uh, yeah, so they're working on it and, um, and already I got, I've already got half my money back. So, uh, awesome. well, I mean, half, half of the money that they owe me total plus interest back. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, so it's, it's really interesting, uh, kind of an interesting, uh, deal and, uh, yeah. Uh, not something that I do on a regular basis and I never really counted it into my portfolio. I kind of looked at it more as a loan to somebody, but, uh, but that does count as an investment. I am going to get a return yeah, and, and I will get back more than I put in. And I don't, I've been wanting to do that because, you know, real it's secured by real estate. And, and yet though, remember it's called hard money loan because it's hard for these people to borrow. Okay. So that should tell you something, you know, so, so there is risk involved, but I've been, I don't know any way to do that though. In other words, I don't know how to find somebody who needs hard money, you know, and maybe there's some business out there that could help hook me up, but I don't know what it is. I mean, if this is something you're interested in, I might be able to connect you with my loan officer guy. Well, let me know. Um, anyway, there you have it, everybody. We're doing a deal right here on air. That's right. If anybody out there listening knows how to do hard money loans, let, let, let write in and tell us. Um, okay. You know, I just thought of something else too that I've done in the past. Back taxes. You ever do that? You you what? Somebody doesn't pay their property taxes. You go in and you pay their property taxes for them. 
and and this the, the rules of this differ from state to state but i've done it in arizona and i've done it when i lived in baltimore so what you're doing is somebody's delinquent on their taxes the county needs their money because they you know they budgeted that that person was going to pay their taxes so you pay their taxes for them and then either one of two things happens they have to pay you back with interest and that interest can be significant or you can take their property now it's very rare that you actually get somebody's property but it's very common that you'll get interest. And sometimes I, I, I think I'm not lying when I say I think I earn 20% interest. I mean, it's real high interest. Now, you, you're you going to have to, it's, it's kind of an illiquid investment. But if you're interested in that, just Google your town or your county and say uh, buying back taxes, and you'll find out how to do that. It's pretty interesting. I have a weird one. Another thing is buying land or investing in farmland. So you can actually uh, go to something like uh, farmtogether.com or something like that, and you can uh, buy into or invest in fields that produce almonds or corn or rice or soybeans and things like that and it just kind of helps those farms out and then you just get a, a share of the profits uh alternative you can just buy land in general mm -hmm. and one thing you can try to source out is try to find out if um cell towers want to be built on this particular area so you could rent out a cell tower to two areas and also a big thing happening now in a lot of rural areas are giant solar farms so if you can get a good swath of land for cheap in certain areas of this country you could put a solar farm on there and generate a lot that's of that's fascinating that i love that idea and you could can you do this through did, is this something miranda mentioned like you know buying farmland with a group you know with a group or you're talking about just putting the money down and buying it yourself well either you can do it put it down yourself or you can there's farms that are already in existence it's it's kind of no different than being a silent uh, investor i guess cool. but I'm going to I'm going to mention one more and then we're going to have to go to our question because we're getting late uh, in the podcast here. The last one. How about yourself? How about investing in yourself? How about making you smarter or making you more equipped? Um, so, you you know, maybe get that college degree. That'll make you worth more or maybe buy that computer, you know, that's going to make you faster or a better writer or, you know, take a take a course, learn something. So investing in yourself is probably the best investment you could possibly make. Yeah, if you want to take a course and learn how to write something, go to freelancewriteracademy.com. Miranda Marquette will uh, help you out there. Buy my course. You know, actually, go ahead and promote that again. That's not bad. What, yeah, what no, uh, freelancewriteracademy.com. So uh, freelancewriteracademy.com. Yeah, yeah, we have for courses for beginning, intermediate, and advanced. So depending on you where really? you're at, yeah, depending on where you're at in your freelance journey, uh, we can we got a course for that. Have you read any of my writing? I've written lots of stuff. Have you? Sure. I just I just want to know whether I'm you know beginner, intermediate, or advanced. That's all. Uh, yeah, you don't you don't need the courses, Stacy. Oh, thank you. That's now see that sounds like somebody who's getting paid by Stacy. <laughs> okay, guys, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead. And I'm gonna recap really quick, and then we're gonna answer a question really quick. Okay. So in case you think that we don't you don't have anything else to do with your money besides stocks. Real estate investment trust, real estate, owning a business, equity crowdfunding, peer-to-peer -peer lending, savings bonds, gold, commodity futures, municipal bonds, certificates of deposit, corporate bonds, U.S. treasuries, vacation rentals, cryptocurrencies, NFTs, private equity funds, venture capital, annuities, pay down, paying down debt, collectibles, art, wine, um, money market savings accounts, silent partners, small business, investing in yourself, hard money loans, back taxes, and land. 28 things. That's pretty good. Right? And we and you could probably learn about a lot of these at moneytalksnews.com. I will say probably not all of them, but a lot of them. But uh, you could do a search, though. You can look at look at our notes, in the uh, which I'll remind you of in a minute, But uh, and look, look this stuff up. See if any of it rings a bell for you. 
Okay, now we're going to go to our question really quick. Miranda, you're going to answer this one for us. Yes. Here's your question. It's from Wend Wendell. Wendell says, I have quite a few points on my credit card. Do I need to activate them before I buy some stuff on Amazon? Yeah, so as long as your points, as long as your card is connected to Amazon, it's pretty pretty basic and pretty easy to use the shop with points option but you just need to make sure that your credit card is connected on amazon and one of the uh one of the cards that uses the pay with points program so first of all uh select when you're going to check out you want to select your payment method your rewards program is linked to the card like i mentioned select that card uh you do have to select us dollars if you have an international card hold like if you have an international credit card you do need to use us dollars uh and then once you do that, you can apply the maximum available points to your eligible order, or you can choose a different amount of points to apply. So you don't have to, so you can like partially pay with points as well. So that's pretty cool. But no, there's nothing, any anything really special you have to do other than just make sure the card in question is on your account and you're part of the pay with points program. Awesome. I, I, I get that offer. That's not the best use of points though, is it? Uh, no, no, no. There are better uses of points. Yeah, like using them for the redeem for hotels or flights or stuff like that could often get you more than using them in place of cash on Amazon. But nonetheless, something you can do. You know what, guys? I'm afraid we're out of time. But you know what? We are never out of topic. So if you want to dig deeper, I heartily encourage you to do so. You're going to find links to lots more information in our show notes, and I mean lots more. And remember, if your goal is to make more, to spend less, to retire rich, your online home is moneytalksnews.com. And don't forget to check out Miranda's online home as well. That is Miranda Marquit, M-A-R-Q-U-I-T.com. If you've got a question, comment, or topic you'd like to suggest, tell us about it. Email us at hello at moneytalksnews.com. Hello at moneytalksnews.com. And one final thing, if you appreciate what we do, do something for us. Subscribe to this podcast. Takes you two seconds. Really helps us, though. So if you like us, show us and subscribe. And then tell your friends to subscribe, too. I'm Stacy Johnson. And I'm Miranda Marquette. I'm feeling diversified. <laughs> Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. That was Aaron, by the way. We'll see you right here next time.